Greetings everybody, we give thanks for life. It's been a little while since um, our first podcast, so apologies for the wait. Um, we did have a couple of episodes scheduled with guests, um, but then due to kind of scheduling and people traveling internationally, it didn't work out. So those things are still in the future, but I thought, you know what? It's um, time to come on and say something. And then this week, it's been kind of, you know, knocking around in my head for this whole week. Uh, at the start of the week, a friend of mine, uh, Hannah Ishmael, I'm going to call her out, um, at Handem, for those of you on Twitter, who, um, she, her work is centred around black-led archives and their kind of history and motivations in the UK. Um, and she shared with me earlier in the week an article entitled Why Museum Professionals Need to Talk About Black Panther um, and the article is written by Casey Hoyne and apparently the article is um, you know it's got quite a lot of play a lot of people have shared it a lot of people have commented um, so yeah there seems to be a lot of interest in it like, I mean it's not surprising because there's a lot of interest in Black Panther more generally um, I'm not going to you know I'm not here to talk about what I thought about the film or any kind of commentary on Black Panther I mean, enough people have done that and that's cool I've got my own views about that but what is was interesting to me was this article um, that was kind of looking specifically at the scene um, that I think was meant to be set in the British Museum um, as actually I think that Atlanta, what is it called? The High Museum of Art in Atlanta um, but it was supposed to be kind of evoking the British Museum um, and that scene, for those of you who have seen the film, if you haven't seen the film I'll try not to spoil it for you too much but I'll talk about this little section um, the scene where Killmonger is basically um, he's there looking at all these artefacts from various West African countries they're in glass cases there's a the security kind of eyeing him up and um, he's asking this museum professional um, what the origins are of these various artefacts and she kind of gives him pretty um, basic answers not very detailed answers and then there's an artifact there and I can't remember where the label and where she said it was from but it was actually a Wakandan artifact so it was kind of mistaken um, the, ID, the ID you know is mislabeled basically um, and then you know soon after that then uh, Killmonger leaves with the artifact <laughs> and something else and everyone is dead but um, you know I won't spoil the film any more than that for those of you who haven't seen it um, but in this article by Casey Hoynch uh, there's this kind of the article was written saying that basically the fact that the scene was included in such a kind of um, seminal film um, is you know, it raises some big questions about kind of museum practice. And, you know, these are conversations that people have been having for a long time anyway about, you know, thinking about cultural appropriation, thinking about the, the looting and um, possession of artifacts and the kind of reluctance for the repatriation of these artifacts. Also kind of thinking about the, you know, the people of African heritage in the museum space and how that feels and how how they're viewed within the museum space so you've got that kind of thing going on about the security looking at him and then the um the way that the museum profession which is 
um, you know, predominantly white, so it's also talking about the kind of staffing of museums. I'm going to, you know, also think about this as archives too, because although museums and archives are different, they're also very similar in these ways. The kind of staffing um, of these institutions and how those kind of interactions play out between um, people of African heritage and the institution. And, you know, on that, on that level, the articles is legit, it's, it's, you know, it's important to think about those things. There's people saying various different things in the comments about, um, you know, some people don't agree, some people think that um, museums have done enough to kind of address these issues or have been addressing these issues for some amount of years. Other people think it's important that it was addressed. I'm not really here to talk too much about that other than to raise it, but I kind of wanted to extend the analysis into something that wasn't really mentioned in the article and also hasn't really been mentioned in the comments. And the way in which I kind of want to extend um, the thinking that Casey Hoy presents in this, this short article is, I think anytime we talk about these kind of issues, we're always thinking about them within this kind of prism of the institution. Like the institution's always the focus, so we're always trying to change the institution or um, rebalance or decolonize or whatever it is, the institution. And not that I don't think that's important, because clearly that's important. There's thousands of people, millions of people around the world that visit institutions like the one depicted in Black Panther every day, and they come away with particular views and information and misinformation. And, you know, there's people of African heritage around the world that go to these institutions and may feel unwelcome or um, that their culture is not being correctly represented. Um, and so I'm not saying that those things need to be ignored. Um, of course, you know, those institutions need to look at themselves and, you know, maybe get more objective if such a thing exists views than their own on um, how they display how they interact with different communities all those sort of things so that I'm not saying let's not address that but what I'm probably more interested in is how we within you know communities of African heritage what how we view our own heritage and what our own heritage practice I mean what is it is it is uh, are we always trying to change um, what the institution's doing are we always trying to kind of gain acceptance or um, transform this structure that we've kind of been presented with which is you know it's a dominant structure at the moment so it's as I said it's, I'm not saying let's not do it but then also I think there is a um, a line of thoughts, action, conversation about how we view our own heritage. I mean, what is our heritage practice? I mean, how do we how do we do things? Um, how do we work with our history? Um, what you know? What what does that look like? And that's kind of what I wanted to pick up on within this podcast because. If you think about the film, again, I'll try not to spoil it. I'm just going to mention two, yeah, two kind of incidents, scenes, whatever, within the film. 
and then I'll try not to spoil it more than that but I've mentioned one already so we've got this idea of kind of culture being something that is encased in a in a museum and you go and look at it and it's sort of labeled and it's very neat and clean and you know that's what it is and you leave and presumably you've somehow been transformed by seeing this thing in the case um, but then in another scene and which happens a couple of times different ways throughout the film um, within the Wakandan culture you see how the um, how the king, how the Black Panther, but you kind of assume that it's not just the king that's got this privilege. How, um, but we're going to talk with the, you know, stick stick with the, the king for now. How the king is goes through a kind of ritual whereby he is able to communicate with his ancestors. He's able to kind of um, submerge his kind of waking consciousness and go into the state where he's able to communicate with his ancestors to talk with his father before him um, and it's not just him that happens a couple of times throughout the film and it kind of struck me this week while I was, I was reading the article and I was like okay so you've got this kind of traditional view of heritage which is Kilmunga in the museum um, and then you've got this very kind of active embodied idea of heritage which is kind of all about um yeah it's, it's intangible it's all about okay your it's, it's about your line going back into your line and understanding your history in a kind of very lived way you know it's like you're, you're living it yeah actually living that um and there's a connection between the two um but this is the last last spoiler alert here there is a connection between the two And the connection between those two is the um, the artifact, the Wakandan artifact that um, Kiyomanga takes and then he brings to Wakanda. So you've got this kind of idea of a fixed, encased history and then you've got this idea of a kind of intangible heritage that you access through kind of, you know, through delving into trance, basically going into trance and connecting with your ancestors. And then there's this kind of thing in between where, where, where Killmonger's like, okay, there's this thing in the case, it's not being described right and it's not being used. Um, I'm going to take this and I'm going to use it on my journey. And yeah, I just kind of wanted to, to think about the idea for a little bit because I think we tend to get stuck in this very... Eurocentric idea of what history is, what heritage is, and how we how we deal with it. Um, and anyone that's uh, any read anything I've written will know that I tend to quote from a writer called Okotpi Batek quite a lot. He's passed now; he's now late. But um, I there's a book he's written called The Artist, the Ruler. And let me just quote quickly out of that because I think it's um it's very pertinent, really relevant to what we're talking about. And he's talking about um, a sort of Greco-Roman idea of culture. And he says, this view of culture as something separate and distinguishable from the way of life of a people, something that can be put in books and museums and art galleries, something which can be taught in schools and universities for examination purposes or enjoyed during leisure time in theatres and cinema halls. 
the Western tradition which regards culture as something that can be bought and sold, where the artist is some very special fellow who is paid with money for his works, is entirely alien to African thought. And I remember when I first read that, I was like, yo, that's, it kind of um, it hit on something that I couldn't really articulate. When I was learning, you know, when I was going through um, archive school, learning how to be an archivist, and I couldn't really articulate this disconnect that I was having, and that's what it was. It's like, for me, culture and heritage is a very kind of living and breathing thing. And I've come, in, you know, my particular route through this is through music. And I've been able to see in a very lived way how um, musical traditions kind of built on each other to become what it is today like I was listening I'm doing some research at the moment for an exhibition looking at um, African Caribbean music um, so-called black black British music so music um, particularly in a, um, a part of the you know in London in a particular borough and um, I was watching Skepta and Skepta was um, was performing shutdown and it was like a call and response and I was like okay because I've studied um, traditional African and Caribbean music, I can instantly trace that to call and response within, you know, within those frameworks which go back hundreds and possibly thousands of years. Um, but my point is that Skepta at that point and whoever, you know, was in part of that performance was living that heritage and it was very much different to, you know, reading that in a book or um, having it presented to you in a kind of glass encased way if, if that's possible with call and response but you get my point um and so yeah so for me um that's something that's a discussion which maybe fewer people are having around black panther but it's something that's very important to the way i think we should think or should be considering heritage as people of African heritage. It's um, not just, it's not simply about having access to kind of Western institutions and having access to museum spaces and having things described correctly. Because even if all of that is addressed, then we, to me, there will still be a, a Sorry, my mic is slipping. To me, there'll still be a, a sort of gross omission of the fact that those institutions are kind of unable to take proper account of a different perspective of what culture is. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is um, people of African heritage but I mean, this can, you know, this the message can work for uh, people of any cultural background. But I'm speaking specifically to people of African heritage here. I'm saying that um, we need to move beyond looking at um, trying to use, as Audrey Lord said, the master's tools to dismantle the master's house. Um, not that we can't consider the master's house is there you know so it's not like we don't need to consider it that's not that's not what it is um, but i think that's a conversation to have with the masters and um you know it's a conversation to have in that house that's 
that's one thing that needs to be done but I think we need to be working in a holistic way and so holistically that means also really defining and working to define what our heritage practice is for ourselves and my uh, what's the word suggestion or I guess my trajectory and what I'm suggesting it could be fruitful for us is to think about the way that heritage um, is engaged and used and functions um, within our communities in uh, in a living way and kind of and build on that because I think one of the things that came out of um, the whole idea of heritage and how it's used within the Black Panther films for me is that um, there's there is a disconnect between this kind of very um, encased dead way of working with history um, particularly when you don't control it but even if we do I mean what are we in control of if we, if we were to build a museum or an archive tomorrow and use the same principles that are um, recognized as being uh, you know sort of industry standard now then we still wouldn't have we still wouldn't be there we would still be disconnected and that disconnect would stem from a misunderstanding of the kind of lived aspect of what heritage is and then how to you know how to work with that in different ways um, and work and it's there is always for a purpose like so within the film you know um, Black Panther goes back to check his dad in you know in the in the duet in the in the world of the ancestors the ancestral plane for a reason he's not just doing it just because it's a you know it's a nice saturday afternoon let me go and get in some culture it's like there's a reason behind it and that reason is then built on as part of a lived experience um and we need to be thinking about that like living experiences and the purpose of what's the purpose of it um yeah, so that's really what I wanted to kind of just communicate with some of the, some of the things that I've been thinking about this week that have been going around my head that play into some of the work that we're doing at DTA, play into some of the writing that I've been doing as well. Um, and I think the challenges within all this, and Toy and Falola kind of touches on it, and I need to, I'd love to know a little bit more about um, where the balance is because the challenge is that you know both. Um, not suggesting that there's only two ways to do things, but the two ways we've been talking about this kind of more Eurocentric traditional approach and then the more kind of lived um, approach to heritage. They, there's a, they're both useful in their ways, but it's kind of about working out how they meet, where they meet and what that looks like. Because you can't put on a museum exhibition or an archive exhibition. Um, financially, you can't do that and... Have, be, have, have the whole thing as, uh, you know, have, have it living all the time, having it being activated all the time, because there's a financial restriction there, there's um, temporal restrictions, there's loads of restrictions, but you can, you can, you know, you can work towards it, but also maybe that type of, you know, maybe the idea of an exhibition needs to be re revised for that reason as well, so there's lots of questions that come out of it, but basically what I'm um, saying what I'm getting at is 
looking at the idea of a lived heritage as kind of embodied and purposeful and thinking about how we might use that and integrate that with the heritage practice that we've come to know. So, um, give thanks to those of you that have um, been tuned in for the last few minutes. Um, it'll be great to hear your comments, feedback, thoughts, call in if you're on Anchor. If not, you can um, comment or engage at DE underscore archive on Twitter, at DE underscore archive on Instagram, and um, Decolonizing the Archive on Facebook. Yeah, man, hit us up, let us know what you thought. Um, also, as I said, we've got over the next few weeks, we've got some interesting guests and conversations lined up. So, you know, make sure your notifications are switched on. Do keep an eye on that. Those of you that are in London or in the UK or will be in the UK towards the end of March, we've got a session on the 25th of March, which is a Sunday. And we're basically looking at dancehall culture and the African and Caribbean traditions that it springs from. So we're kind of engaging with that in a lot of different ways. So, you know, the theme of this podcast is living history. So we'll be, you know, there'll be dance, there'll be dancing, um, there'll be film. There will also be a talk, some discussion as well, um, kind of looking at, uh, looking at the culture and looking at, you know the seeds are from where it sprang and you know, there'll be some other stuff in there too i'm not gonna spoil it all for you now but you could check uh or check out our site decolonizingthearchive.com you can go to the events section there so decolonizingthearchive.com slash events then it's the top listing there so if you're around it'll be you know beautiful to see you and if you're not then please stay tuned from wherever you are um, some of the guests there will also be, you know, we'll be doing some, some podcasts with them. So we'll be able to at least catch a little flavor of what we're dealing with. So yeah, as I said, give thanks for tuning in. Yeah, have a beautiful Sunday. If it's not Sunday anymore, then have a beautiful day and stay blessed.